Hello and welcome back to Carpet Talk. We are here on this Divine Mercy Sunday on the carpet with um, my large donkey and Kaylee's, what, sparkling water? Aha. <laughs> Her aha. Anyway, um, yeah, continuing with this trend of Easter, Holy Week, and the such topics, um, we've both been j- just been reflecting on the Gospel of John and reading through that um, lately, and there's this obscure... Always. Always. I'm but, kind like, of obsessed with the Gospel of John. It's the best one, I'm not gonna lie. Um, but yeah, just really reflecting on John's perspective of things as the one that was closest to Jesus in his heart, physically and spiritually, I would say. Um, but there's this obscure character that pops up at the beginning and then again at the end. And and it's a really fun name. I've fun. always liked his name, and I'm not going to lie, for a really long time I didn't know how to say it, so I wouldn't. And when I found out how to say <laughs> it, I never stopped saying it. It's Nicodemus. Good old Nico. <laughs> it's so funny. We've, no. No, we've been watching The Chosen, like everybody. Um... And Nicodemus it's such is... an exotic name. <laughs> like, <laughs> how diverse. No. Like, would you name a child after this? Absolutely not. Really? Really. I, I don't want be... much. I do not want my child to be beat up on the playground. He's not gonna. Uh, okay. If your name was Nicodemus, you think someone would beat you up on the playground? Yes. No. I think they would be like, "How do you say your name?" Nico. <laughs> Nico. And then once you said it, they'd be like, "Wow, that's exotic. I Nick. want to be your friend." Nick. Is no! it short for Nicholas? No, Nicodemus. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> No, Nicodemus's wife in The Chosen calls him Nico, and I think it's the funniest thing ever. Um, okay. Reflect- Returning. Yes, as we were. Um, I think Nicodemus is one of the coolest um, low-key people. No? Okay, enough with his name. No, I think he's one of the coolest like low-key people. Um, yeah, he shows us that it's what it means to not be afraid of the of the wondering, of the why behind things, of the asking questions. Yeah, I think he gets a bad rap. Honestly, like, I think a lot of people, like, hate on him for no reason. Because um, he's a Pharisee. Yeah, just because you're a Pharisee doesn't mean you're a bad guy. I mean... Anyway. No, 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 no. <laughs> Seriously, Mostly, seriously, but... like, on it, like, we look at the Bible and we stereotype everyone. And we say, like, because you're this title and that title, like, you are set in stone and how that works. And, like, that's not how our God works. He... Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know the conversions that these people had after Jesus. We don't know the day-to-days of their lives. And I think that Nicodemus gets a bad rap. I think he's one of the coolest characters and actually people in scripture because, like Emily is saying, is he kind of takes on a role that I don't think he was even expecting. And I think, you know, it's a role that takes time to develop, and that's the beauty of it is we see all the other characters. We see Mary Magdalene. We see Peter. We see John. And it's, like, these big, profound moments, one after another after another, right? And it gets really disheartening because you're like, okay, I want to be a Peter, but, like, I'm not having big, profound things over and over again, right? But Nicodemus is that person who was living a life. He wasn't living a bad life. He was living as a sinner and as a broken person. And his, like, story of salvation was slow and steady and happened as it was supposed to and I think mirrors sometimes are our process of coming to the Lord more than it does like the disciples sometimes because he like I said he wasn't living this horrible like sinful no he's one of the he's one of the righteous he's one of the teachers people looked to him with their questions exactly and I mean 
I would like to think that I'm not a pagan, but maybe <laughs> at times I am. But for a majority of, you know, people, like, we're all trying to live a good life. We're all trying to live and be good for the most part. And sometimes it's hard to look at, like, the gospel characters and say, like, I'm not fishing right now, catching no fish, and Jesus isn't showing up and, like, literally ripping my nets. It's like, no, I'm going about my day-to-day. I'm going to school. I'm going to work. I'm having dinner with my family. I'm having dinner with my household. and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, but I'm not... That's not it. Exactly. It's not it. Um, I think he's one of the most interesting, like, one-timer characters... I find it... The Gospels... His name is a mic drop. I'm sorry. I really like his name. You just have to say it once and you're like, oh, my attention is There's something in the fact that we're given his name. He's introduced Mm -hmm. as one of the Pharisees, but then we're given his name and it's because he plays a role that the rest of them don't. But he's interesting because we get his story and then he drops out. Like, we don't hear about him again until the end. Mm -hmm. Until the end of what feels like the end of the story where he's there with... Joseph of Arimathea and he comes another cool name and then he comes and he helps bury Jesus yeah it's the secret disciples that come out of the woods when the big name guys run away yeah when they're locked and they're afraid it's these under undercover disciples that kind of come out of nowhere and say we didn't follow him because of our fear we're here to take care of him now yeah and and to teach us what it means to live out of fear I think sometimes we're, you know, like, we live in our fear so much, and we don't know how to step out of it. Mm. And sometimes it's those quiet people that you were like, you were fearful? Like, what? They're like, yeah, I was terrified. So terrified that you didn't even know that I was fearful. And then they step out, and they're like, but now I'm out of it. And they're such good examples. Um, Yeah, we talked talked a couple episodes back about, like, one of the roots of complacency is fear. Um, and Nicodemus shows us that there, there's another thing to do with your fear. Like, he, he come. I just read, I read back over John 3, which is where he shows up and he's asking Jesus the hard questions of, who are you? What does this mean for us? I know that you're from, I know that you're a teacher from God. What, is, yeah. what do you have to show us? Because I'm also a teacher, but you mm-hmm. have answers that I don't have. And he, instead of hiding from his fear, he leans into it and takes the time to ask the hard questions yeah i when we were preparing for this episode i've just been really caught up in this idea of having a nicodemus moment Mm -hmm. in our lives like emily said like he was a teacher and he knew jesus was a teacher and he so like by nature knew that jesus was going to have answers um and so he decided to go to jesus and i think for us there's a lot of people in our lives that exist and we go i know you have an answer i know you have something to say i know that if i asked you about this situation or this you know thing in my life that you would have an answer um and i in praying about what a nicodemus moment would be like and what he was feeling like when emily read the gospel earlier um like what the events surrounding that walking up to Jesus looked like. Mm-hmm. I bet it was about a bunch of like, I'm not fearful that I'm walking up to the wrong person. <laughs> I'm not fearful that like these questions are going to go unanswered. I'm what anxious I, about what he's going to say because yes. I know it's going to make me change. That is, that is one of the best and worst fears I yeah. think we can have is to look at someone. I know that I, I have a lot of sisters in household that. I have questions and I'm like, I know if I go to you, you're going to give me an answer, but I don't necessarily want to hear the answer back at me. Mm-hmm. It would be great if I heard the answer and it was like directed to someone else, but if it was directed to yeah. me, I don't really want that because 
I know that it's going to cause a response out of me that's going to be so good, and I don't know what to do with that. Like, I don't know what to do with someone who calls me on well. I don't know what to do, you know, in this moment when I'm feeling overwhelmed and I'm feeling like I need an answer, but I want to be able to choose what answer I get. I don't know how I'm going to react. And I feel like that that was Nicodemus. He was walking up to Jesus and saying, like, I know that this guy's going to have an answer. Like, I know he's going to say something that changes my life, but I don't necessarily know that I want that right now. I want to choose when that happens. But I know once I open the door, it can't be closed again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that fear doesn't stop him. I think that's the biggest thing that I keep coming back to. Is or like, how many times it did stop him. Yeah. That too, you know, like we only hear the gospel, like in this moment, the fear didn't stop him. But how many times did he learn from the lesson of being like, I was fearful, but I'm done with that. Mm. The answer is better than the fear right now. Yeah. Yeah, Nicodemus is on the top of the list of people where God willing, I get to heaven. Like, I I just want to know, I want to know what we're not told. I want to know everything that happened in between John Mm -hmm. 3 and John 19. What happened? Like... I would love to know what he was like during the trial. Because he was there. He Mm -hmm. 100% was there. He had to have been. Yeah. Like, I wonder what this John 3, how this made him feel during that trial. It lists him later as saying he's a member of the Sanhedrin, but he's not one that condemned Jesus. And he asked the questions. Like, I think sometimes when we look at the Pharisees, like we were talking about earlier, like, he's pegged. He has a bad rap because he's a Pharisee, right? Like, all the other Mm -hmm. Pharisees, when they asked Jesus questions... They, they did were it in a out condemning to way. get him. They were waiting for him to trip. They were waiting for something that they could say, ah. Yeah. And I think sometimes we fall into that trap because we hear when Jesus is questioned in scripture, so often it's condemning, right? Mm-hmm. And we then fall into this fear of like, Jesus, if I ask you questions, am I condemning you? Like, if mm-hmm. I ask you questions, am I just as bad as the Pharisees? And Nicodemus is that person to show us like, no, ask your questions. Just do well with the answers. Don't walk in and be like, haha, I'm going to use this answer against you, Jesus. No, he shows us what it is to have the ho- the actual heart posture of receiving. He asks the question just looking for an answer, not looking for the answer. Whereas Asking the, for direction. The other Pharisees came to him and they asked pointed questions because they already had their answer in mind. They were, they had the answer and they were, they looked for things that they could ask that got Jesus to say what they wanted him to say. Whereas Nicodemus came to him and he said, I don't understand this. Tell me. And how often do we do that? Like, we have a situation in mind or, like, an idea in mind and we want an answer. We want to get to the the picture-perfect thing. And so we tiptoe around Jesus and we ask the questions to get him to say what we want him to say. And he says, I can take it. Ask me boldly. Yeah. He's like, I know you. I know. I already know the questions of your heart. And I want to give you the answer. And I am the answer. So stop tiptoeing around me. Yeah, stop asking for... Look me in the eyes and ask me. Mira. (laughs) Jesus is going, Mira. The gospel today is doubting Thomas. No, it's Thomas the Apostle. And he said, Jesus is not shy away from his, his need to touch and to feel and, you know, to look the risen Jesus in the eyes. To to touch his his wounds. Yeah. And just is not shy away from that because he knows what what's gonna happen beyond that. He knows that that's that's what Thomas needs to get him to do to be able to be sent forth. Yeah, and same thing with Nicodemus. Like he knew 
you know, he, Jesus also knew that Nicodemus was a teacher. Mm-hmm. His answer is really hard. The answer he gives back to Nicodemus is not like a, here you go, go show me how well you do with this. It's he's like, not. He's establishing a new law. He, yeah. It feels like he's contradicting everything that the faithful Jews knew, but he's building upon it. Yeah. And they, he was not, Nicodemus was not ready for that. But who better to give that answer to? Nicodemus knew the law. Mm-hmm. And so when he saw that new law, what an absolute, like, grace for humanity to have Nicodemus be the one that receives that answer. Because after Jesus is crucified and after he's risen, like, I bet Nicodemus went back to that answer and went, oh, I get it. He clearly received it well because it brought, it got into the tomb. Yeah. Oof. I think it I think one of the most beautiful connections is their first conversation is about baptism and it's about being born again it's about new life life in the spirit and where does Nicodemus show up again preparing Jesus to be buried where he is then born again and risen to new life we were I was just on retreat this weekend with household and one of the talks we we had was about full circle moments mm. And I just kind of sat there and laughed because I was like, haha, circles. <laughs> like, I don't really get what that means because sometimes I feel like I live a square life where it's like mm. I have to get to point A and then I can get to point B and then I can get to point C and then D, you know? And then I can go back, you know? Or like, what is what is a shape that has multiple, so like a poly... 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 poly. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. That thing. Yeah, right? But it was it just made I mean, me laugh. Theology and catechetics major do not speak to me about geometry. <laughs> I... I think I took geometry. I took it in the ninth grade and then I moved on with it. Absolutely not. <laughs> I hated it. My I was hated terrifying. Sh- I don't like the shapes. They just I just don't like the way they look. It okay. stresses me out. Anyway, I also don't like doing the math to like Oh, absolutely you know, not. Anyway, um back to the circle. Um I just kinda sat there and laughed because I was like, huh, like full circle moments. They don't have an end and they don't have a beginning, so how can it be a full circle moment, right? But that isn't the point of it. Like, Jesus is the circle, and he's continuously going right, and we... <laughs> Do not laugh at me. I'm not... Okay. Continue. Um, you know, it's our choice in what part of that full circle we enter into, and if we allow him to k- finish it. Mm. If we stay on by his side and say, like, I'm here through it all, I want to see it all, then he goes, all right, like, welcome here, and I'm going to bring you full circle. I'm going to bring you back to that moment of conversion. I'm going to bring you back to that big life question where I entered in because I'm going to show you how I never actually left. Mm. I was never not actually there. And I think for Nicodemus, that's a really big wake-up call because like we said in the beginning, like, he was a faithful person. It wasn't like he was this pagan going around offering, like, human sacrifice. Like, no, 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 no. Like, he was in the temple offering sacrifice for, like, the Jews. Like, he was, you know, a faithful man. He knew God. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, God came to him and it probably was this full circle moment of being like the things that were missing the things when I was you know giving everything I had for these people that I was supposed to be loving and filling in and when I felt all these lackings when I felt these failings like it's because I didn't have you Jesus like I didn't Mm -hmm. actually he learns that he he himself is not the answer Mm -hmm. and then he meets the answer face to face yeah Kaylee and I were talking earlier when she got back from retreat this morning we go to mass together every weekend so this was we had a fun little powwow moment of like, this is what happened in my mess. This is what happened in your mess. Whatever. Um, and the point from the homily of the mass I went to today, I was telling her, I was like, Jesus does not withhold the answers when we don't withhold the questions. And 
Thomas so boldly requested, until I touch, until I see, I cannot believe. And I bet Nicodemus' requests were also very yeah. interior, because he probably felt the, the lackings. Yeah. The... Well, he followed him quietly. He knew everything. He saw everything. And that was enough to bring him to the tomb. Yeah. Where, for Thomas, it took him to... <laughs> My tummy just grumbled. I'm sorry if you heard that. <laughs> I guess we'll see how good this mic is now. <laughs> Last time you heard serenading this Singing time you're the gonna hall, anyway. um, Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Nicodemus's questions brought him to the tomb, but Thomas's brought him to the risen Lord. Mm-hmm. And... I think sometimes there's a really big temptation to compare ourselves to everyone else's risen Jesus moment, especially mm. in Easter, right? Some people are yeah. those people that run to the tomb. Some of those people are the people who help bury him. Some of the people are the people that, you know, are waiting in that upper room for him. And we feel like, oh, I need to have a profound place. I need to find my place as it was written in scripture. Yeah. Here's the thing is for everybody that went to meet Jesus, Jesus still came to meet them. So regardless of where we find him in our lives right now, regardless of where we see his resurrection in our lives right now, he comes to us. Even when we don't know where to find him, he comes to us. That is the beauty of the incarnation. That's the beauty of a personal God is he knows what we need and he has no desire not to give it. There's there's somewhere in the scriptures where he says Christ did not withhold his own life. Why would he withhold anything else? And this theme of withholding is such a big thing in my prayer life right now. And there's nothing that he doesn't desire to give us if we would just ask the question. And so Mm -hmm. I guess that's the kicker for us here with complacency. To be complacent is to accept the question mark as the answer. And to be okay with withholding. As it is almost like a power move or something. I love, I love the idea that we, we fall into of, like, Jesus, I am not going to tell you that. Like, I'm not going to bring it up in prayer because if I don't say it, it doesn't exist. And it's like, who do you think? He made your heart. He knows what it wants. He knows exactly. what it needs. And so, a com- like, in our complacency and we when we sit in our questions and say the questions is enough, Jesus, like, you know, like, I don't actually need to ask it no, the as question long is as for I the, formed it. The question is for the sake of the answer. Exactly. And the only way to get to the answer is to ask the question, and Jesus Christ is the answer. So whatever the question is, whatever the wonderance is, quit hiding behind it. Yeah, and I think another thing is just, like, stop being afraid to take the risk of trying to find the answer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in finding what the answer isn't, we find what the answer really should be. And (sighs) Say that again. Say it. That was good. I actually don't know what I just said. Wait. (laughs) Go back and rewind like 10 seconds and I guess re-listen to it. Um, Sometimes to find the true answer, we have to experience what the answer is not. Yeah. And like, complacency makes us think that just because we don't get answered the first time around means we're not getting it. I find myself falling into that so often. Like, I didn't get the answer when I asked the question the first time, Jesus, why would you answer it the second? And sometimes the, the answer he's giving to that question is you didn't follow that road all the way through. You stopped halfway, and, like, there was an answer. 
it might have been not been the answer, mm-hmm. but there was one, and you decided not to follow all the way through. He works in stages, but he always makes sure that things come full circle. Yeah, there's always an ending. Yeah, he's not a god of open-ended questions forever. Like he has, he's the one who should be asking us the pointed questions, not us. Like we should have the open-ended questions for him so that he can point us to the answers that we are actually looking for. Because I think sometimes we also don't know what we're asking for. All we're really asking for, though, is him. Exactly. And sometimes it's, you know, <laughs> getting the no, getting the answer that it's not, to recognize that, like, Jesus, I'm, I'm not asking for enough of you, or I'm not asking for you at all. Yes and amen. <laughs>